We're talking about restarting your finances. So what better way to restart your finances than to give everybody here a dollar, right? I think everybody's good with that. So ushers, if you want to come forward, they're going to give everybody in the service today a dollar. Now, I want you to hold on to that dollar because we're going to do an activity at the end of our teaching time that will, uh, it's going to be pretty cool. So the ushers are going to be making dollars available to you right now, and I'm just going to continue on talking as they come forward and start passing out dollars to everybody. Now, we don't try to be irreverent around here at Connect, but that George Carlin video really nails home the beginning of what we want to talk about today. The fact that most of us have a preoccupation with stuff, with acquiring stuff, with getting stuff, with wanting more stuff. Now, I don't know if, if you guys go into Sam's Club or, or maybe Costco, if you're from out of town, there's Costco's around different places in Montana. But what is the first thing you see as you walk into those two places? Anybody? TVs. Exactly. TVs. And I remember a few years ago, Gene and I, we bought a 42-inch TV uh, for the Super Bowl because I was having a big Super Bowl party. Our TV was old. We wanted to get a new one, so I went and bought one of those flat-screen 42-inch TVs. And I know now that 42-inch is very, very small compared to what's out there, right? Because there's 60, 70, 80-inch TVs out there, and I want one. I don't know about you guys. I have no idea where I'd put it, all right? I don't think I have that much uh, space downstairs on, on my wall to hang an 80-incher, but that is, it's just something inside of us that we see stuff, and we want more stuff, and we love stuff. The problem is, and if you, don't, if you haven't picked up notes, there's notes available. There's a couple notes up here on either side of the stage. There's also some in the back if you want to take notes with us. And, and if you don't have a Bible available, uh, you can grab a Bible back at Connection Counter. If you don't have one at home, it's a gift from us to you. It's yours to keep. But the problem is that loving stuff can ruin our lives. Loving stuff can ruin our lives. If you've ever been a part of a financial disaster in your own life, you would probably agree that a lot of what fed into that disaster was because you were loving your stuff way too much. And, and just a couple examples, maybe you just overextended yourself and overspent or racked up those credit card bills to where you couldn't even make your monthly payments. Or, or maybe something a little different, maybe you made some investments, but they were risky investments and, and you lost a lot on the market. Or, or maybe it's something about hoarding. Uh, and I'm talk, not talking about hoarders, the TV show, okay? That's usually junk that they're hoarding. But I mean just hoarding things, say, you know, just everything for yourself and, and maybe even alienating family and friends because of what a miser you are or you were in the past. And the reason we do these things is, is really a fundamental mistake. And, and that's the first thing I want to talk about with us today is that most of us make the mistake we look for security in our stuff. We've looked for security in our stuff. And when we do that, inevitably, what it will do, it will lead to trouble. Like I said, maybe you've overspent on stuff. Maybe you wanted a new house, a bigger house, a new car, or several new cars, or what have you, and you've, you've overextended yourself. 
Or maybe, like I said, you're a saver and, and you're saving for retirement, but you've put too much into risky investments. And, and sometimes the market does really well and, and we feel good about it and we have a lot of security in that. But other times, like in recent years, the market takes a dive and we lose a lot. And, and th- where is our security gone now if, if it's in stuff, right? Or like I said, maybe you're a hoarder and maybe you just, you are a consumer and all you do is hoard for yourself. But the message series we're talking about is restart. And so for today, I have some good news for us because Jesus offers us a restart. Now, on Easter, we looked at restarting our lives, basically restarting your life with Jesus and asking him to come into your life so that you can have a brand new life and a restart. And then last week, we talked about restarting our relationships. So once you're in this relationship with Jesus, life's not perfect. We, you know, there's some work that we all need to do. Life is now great, all right? We have a new joy. We have something new within us. We are born again, is what the Bible says. But many times we still have things we need to take care of. One of those things is relationships, and we talked about that last week. And if you weren't with us, you can always go on the Connect Church app and listen to uh, the Bozeman Campus and the Great Falls Campus podcast, or you can go online as well. And so I encourage you to do that, and the notes are also available online too. But today, what we're going to talk about is that if you're going to restart your finances, we've got to look and take a look at where our security comes from. So our big idea for today, we like to try to have one big idea that we can just grab a hold of each and every week. So today's big idea is my security comes from God, not from my stuff. My security comes from God, not from my stuff. If you want to turn to your Bibles, we're going to start off in Luke chapter 12 today, and I believe that's also in your notes Uh, 13 through 21, and and I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, so if you're using an electronic device, you might want to jump to the ESV, at least for this portion of the Bible that we're going to talk about. Now, I want to set this up just a little bit. I'm not going to read the first few verses, but basically what happened is Jesus was out teaching, and and someone came to him, a young man came to him and said, "Uh, teacher, will you please split the estate between my brother and I? Evidently, his older brother had gotten an inheritance or or was executor over the estate. We don't really know all of the uh, the ins and outs, but he wanted Jesus to kind of be the, the person to mitigate this thing. And he wanted stuff, basically. He wanted his stuff that was due him. And so he wanted Jesus to, to make a decision. And many times what Jesus does is he doesn't give the answer, right? What Jesus likes to do is he likes to tell stories that we call parables. And so he goes into a story, and that's where I want to pick it up in verse 15. And he said to them, take care and be on guard against all covetousness. And that means envying, wanting, and, and lusting. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So right there, we know that Jesus was not an American citizen, right? (laughs) We know that Jesus was an American because he talks about his possessions or possessions not being the focus of, of what we want to focus on. And so in verse 16, he starts off with the parable and he says this. He told them a parable saying the land of a rich man produced plentifully. So that means that he, was a very, he had a great crop all the time. He, his land was very resourceful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? 
for I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns. I thought he just said he didn't have anywhere to store his crops. A little, that's kind of confusing a little bit there. But uh, at, at any rate, okay, maybe he forgot he had all those barns. Well, no, he didn't because now he wants to tear them down. But he wants to build larger barns is what he wants to do. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. So this is what the soul's going to do. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds like a retirement plan. But in verse 20, God said to him, fool. And, and fo- I know we sometimes use the word fool, but when it's in the Bible, it really means something bad. You, you know, you call somebody fool, it's like the worst thing to call them. So God said, fool, this night your soul is required of you. Well, basically he's saying tonight you're going to die. So now what are you going to do? So this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So what I want to do is is make three observations from this parable that we see when Jesus talking about this landowner and this farmer in the story and and really where his security from his stuff and, and where it was coming from, his stuff. When my security comes from stuff, number one in your notes, I will never have enough. I'll never have enough stuff. Just like this farmer. He wanted more and more. He's going to build more barns, build more barns. He wanted, he wanted his stuff. He wanted to keep his stuff. He had a plentiful crop, but he really was unaware of really how rich that he was. Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever spent any time outside the U.S. Uh, Gene and I, I had an opportunity to go to Mexico on a missions trip a long, long time ago. And it was about 20 years ago now, probably 18, 20 years ago. Um, but, I, you know, I had felt poor in my life starting out as a young married couple. I'd felt poor before. But when I went to Mexico, and here's, here's just basically the blue is, is first world, red is second world, and then the green is third world. So, you know, Mexico is a third world country. And so when we went down there, we really didn't know what to expect. We knew that, you know, they probably wouldn't have a lot and it was going to be poor. But boy, when we got down there, we couldn't believe the poverty that we were seeing. But the church that we were staying at, they had a joy that was unexplainable. They had the joy of the Lord. They were all Christians and we were ministering with them to the community. And it was a really amazing time. And then we found out something about this little church that we were ministering with. We found out that, you know, we had to stay at the building, at the church building, and they had beds for us to sleep on. And and we were really humbled near the end of our trip because we found out that the mattresses we were sleeping on were their very own mattresses. They were sleeping on the floor in their homes because we came down there. They gave up their own beds for us. Wow, that changed me. (laughs) It was just an amazing, amazing thing that they were that giving in, in the poverty that they were living in. Coming back to the U.S., I felt guilty because even, really, even the poorest maybe among us are rich compared to those third world countries and what they have. It's tough for us to wrap our, our heads around that because we don't really know or understand how blessed we truly are. The problem then is once again that we've forgotten that our security comes from God. 
So when, when my security comes from stuff, number one, I will never have enough stuff. Number two, secondly, when my security comes from stuff, I will hoard it. And, and that's what the farmer was doing. He was, he was hoarding it. And just kind of like what George Carlin was saying in his video, buying more stuff, just buying, 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 using stuff, using stuff, using stuff to where we have to buy houses or we have to store our stuff in a storage unit. I mean, that's really what he's talking about. In Ecclesiastes, which is a book written by uh, a wise man, Solomon, in, in chapter 5, verse 13, it says this, hoarding riches harms the saver. Hoarding riches harms the saver. So in this scenario, the saver thinks he's doing something good by hoarding everything, but it's really a, a detriment to him. And, and something I didn't know, but this little research, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, and, and, and at the time, he was worth a lot of money. Well, if we translate that into today's dollars, he was actually worth about $2.1 trillion with a T. All right? If you think of the top 10 richest people right now, and I verified this online, you know, as best as you can, Right? <laughs> Don't believe everything online, but it was a Forbes magazine article, and so I feel pretty confident that they would list the correct numbers. The top 10 richest people in the world today only, it's 500 billion altogether, the top 10. 500 billion. And we're talking about $2.1 trillion that Solomon had at his disposal. And so he really understood the danger of hoarding, Right? Hoarding riches harms the saver, and he knew that, and he was very wise. The problem is, we've forgotten our security comes from God. So, when my security comes from my stuff, once again, number one, I'll never have enough. Number two, I tend to hoard it for myself. And and number three, I won't be rich toward God. That was at the end of our parable Number three is I won't be rich toward God. Jesus finished the story with this line. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God because I've put all of my security in my stuff instead of my security in God and being rich towards him. And we're going to talk about what it means to be rich in a minute, but I have another story. Gene and I went on vacation to Seattle quite a few years ago. Our daughter, Jessie, was with us. I think she was a junior or senior in high school. Another couple went with us, too. So there was like five of us. We went to see a Yankee game, see the Yankees play the Mariners. And so we went there, and, and I think it was the night we got in, because we drove all day the one day, and it was, so it wasn't real late because we got up real early in the morning. We get into Seattle, and we get the hotel room and stuff, and we look around. Hey, the Space Needle's right there. So let's go over to the Needle, walk around downtown, see what's going on. So we do that, uh, and it was like six or eight blocks. It wasn't very far, so we walked there, and we had a fun. We had dinner, and we, you know, we went up, took pictures up top of the Needle and all that stuff. So it's coming to be dusk or, or just twilight or whatever you know it wasn't quite dark yet so we're like hey let's let's head back you know maybe we'll go swimming at the pool or whatever let's head back to the hotel so we go down the road going back to the hotel and we're walking down and, and all of a sudden this guy young man comes and he stops us and he has a, a big back uh, backpack on so you could tell that he was kind of in transition and and i don't know about you but sometimes when i see folks in transition you know, I put up my defenses, and I'm like, okay, what's, how, how is this going to go? What's, what, what's this conversation going to be like? So he stops us, and he says, hey, could you have a moment? I'm like, sure. 
And he starts telling us a story that he's traveling, he's trying to get to Alaska because there's an opportunity for him to be on a boat, one of the fishing boats. I don't know if it was a shrimp boat or what kind of a boat it was. I don't know, what, an Alaskan boat. But he needed $86. Or so, it was something specific. 78, 86, 92, something really specific to get tic- a ticket to get up to Alaska. He tells us part of a story, and I'm like, well, that's pretty, pretty interesting. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, ask him if he knows Jesus. And I'm like, okay. At that point in time, I kind of had decided that it was pretty much on the up and up, and, and I might part with some of my precious money that I had in my wallet and help this guy a little bit, you know. But um, I said, okay. I said, well, hey, you know what? I'll consider giving you some money if, if you'll answer a question for me. And he's like, sure, what do you got? And I'm like, do you know who Jesus is? And at that point in time, he kind of goes, like that. And at first I thought, well, yeah, he's probably been asked that a million times. He's probably been running into Christians all day long or whatever. I don't know. You know, and I'm like, why would he act like, he's like, you know what? I did. I used to go to youth group years ago and my, I know my family's been praying for me, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty far from God right now. And just recently in the last couple weeks, I've been starting to pray again. And I've just been praying that God would would send me an answer or show me an answer or something like that. And he goes, you're the first person that's asked me if I know Jesus. And I just think that this is kind of a God moment. And so it was really neat. It was a very special moment. And we were able to share the love of Jesus with him and encourage him and say, hey, it's just one step back, you know, one decision you got to make back and, and you can be back. And, and sure, we're going to help you get to Alaska. And, and we, just, we just laid hands on him right there in the middle of Seattle and we prayed for him. And, we, you know, I opened up my wallet. I can't remember. I didn't have all the, I don't know, like 30, 40 bucks. I don't know what I gave him. But it was, it was enough to kind of help him get, you know, get closer to where he needed to be. And we were like, man, you know, we prayed for him. And he, I think his name was Richard. I can't remember his name now. It's been so many years. But so we, you know, five of us are all doing like God high fives. You know, we're all stoked because, you know, we helped out this guy. and We prayed for him and stuff like that. We're walking down the street a couple blocks and all of a sudden we get to a dead end. And we're like, we were not on the right street at all. We weren't on the street to bring us back to our hotel like we had thought. We were on the wrong street the whole time. But you know what? We were on the right street for God's purposes. Isn't that amazing that God would just, you know, change where we were going to go. We thought we were all going down on the right street, but we were on the wrong street to get to the hotel. But we were on the right street to be used by God. And had I just blown him off or all of us just kind of taken that attitude and blown him off and wanted to keep our stuff, we would have missed out on an awesome opportunity. Not just to bless him financially, but to listen to his story, at least part of it, and then pray for him right there in Seattle and just encourage him as then he, through that thing, encouraged us. And so let's not be so quick to judge, I guess, is one of the morals of that story. But the other thing is, is that we need to be rich towards God and realize that when we come into circumstances or when they come into our lives, we have a choice to be used by God or just to go about our way and, and be about our own business. Let's be about God's business. And so our big idea today, once again, is simple. My security comes from God. It doesn't come from my stuff. Uh, This isn't in your notes, but Romans 12, 2 
is, is kind of the key thought that we're going to talk about right now when, in regards to our stuff, security, and finances. And Romans 12.2 says this. Uh, it, well, actually, it talks about renewing our minds will transform us. So if we renew our minds, then we will be transformed by the Holy Spirit and we will make different choices in our lives. Because if you're in a place at life right now to where your choices maybe haven't gotten you to a good place, well, well, don't keep making the same choices. You need to change the choices you make in order to make a difference in the future in your life. And so that's really what this comes down to is renewing our minds so that we will be transformed. And part of that is placing our security and our trust in God, not in our stuff. So when my security comes from God, back to your notes, I have confidence that he will provide everything that I need. I have confidence that he's going to provide everything that I need. John 3.16 is very familiar portion of the Bible. The message says this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. God is a giver. That's the one thing we need to learn. God is a giver and he's giving each, he has given each one of us his son and he will provide us with everything that we need in our lives. He really will. And it's just not about money. It's about everything we need in our lives to have this abundant life here on earth. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 other the New Living Translation says this, and, and if you didn't know this, actually if you're, if you're doing the part two of the devotional that we've been doing, uh, the Word of God Speak, um, it was actually on Friday, I believe, it was part of our devotional this week, and it says this, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that his poverty, he could make us rich. So that's what Jesus has done. He's made us rich in our lives because he humbled himself and took upon the mantle of dying on the cross. We can experience the abundant life and he really has elevated us to make us rich and by giving us eternal life. And Matthew 6:30 says this. This is another great portion of the Bible. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but God is the creator. He's created all things and he cares for every element that's here, everything, all the plants, the animals, everything here on earth. And if he cares for the wildflowers and they're going to be gone tomorrow, how much more is he going to care for you who is going to be in eternity with him. He is going to care for us and we can put our trust and our security in God for he truly does care for us. Our security comes from God and when it does, I can trust that he will provide everything that I need. And secondly, when my security comes from God, I will give generously. It just happens It's just part of our lives that we will give generously because God is such a giver. Now, now there's two stories in the Bible that I'd like to make reference to real quick. We're not going to read through them. 
Um, actually, the rich young ruler story is in three of the Gospels uh, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then uh, the story of Zacchaeus is in Luke 19. So let me start back with the rich young ruler. Now, this rich young ruler encountered Jesus as Jesus was walking and teaching once again, like he does. And, and he asked him an interesting question. He goes, uh, teacher, good teacher, how can I inherit eternal life? How can I have eternal life? It depends on what, what gospel you're in, the phraseology. But that's what he was asking. He goes, I've kept all the commandments since I was a young lad. How can I inherit eternal life? At the end of this story, he walks away sad because Jesus tells him what he needed to do. He needed to sell all his possessions, give the money to the poor, and then follow after Jesus. And Jesus knew that his God in his heart was money and possessions. So although he kept all of the law and and all this stuff, and he did all these right things in his life, he knew that this rich young ruler's heart was far from God. And he walked away sad because he put all of his security in his stuff and not in God. Well, Zacchaeus is a little different at the end of that story. Now, he was a chief tax collector and, and Chief tax collectors at the time weren't well-respected citizens, so to speak. They were thought of as crooks, uh, swindlers, and stuff like that. And so here's Zacchaeus, and he was a short person too. So he had that kind of going against him as well in the culture. And so on the other hand, from what we saw the rich young ruler, we see Zacchaeus and his interaction with Jesus. And Jesus calls him down from the tree because he had shimmied up a tree so we could see Jesus pass by. And he said, Zacchaeus, let me dine with you this evening and let me go to your house and break bread with you. And Zacchaeus was so excited. And on the way or as he was going or when he got to his house, uh, whatever, he, he made this proclamation. He said, I will sell half of my possessions and give the money to the poor. And if there has been anyone that I cheated, I will pay them four times more than, than, than what I got from them. And so here we, and I thought it was interesting that he said, if I had cheated anyone. So you know, I think maybe Zacchaeus was a pretty upstanding guy, but you know, maybe through whatever, he might have cheated somebody. So he throws that out there though, to show how much he wants to make up for the fact that he's a, a, a tax collector. He's gonna sell half his possessions and he's gonna give four times back to anybody that he cheated. That's the difference right there in the heart between the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. One, Zacchaeus was a generous man. And and Jesus said at the end of that story that now salvation has come to you and your household because of how your heart is. Your heart is generous towards God and you want to please God. But the rich young ruler was the opposite of that. His heart was far, far from God. So when my security comes from God, I can trust him to provide everything that I need. I will live generously. And lastly, or thirdly, I will be richly blessed. I will be richly blessed. Remember Jesus's line at the end? He said that you will be rich toward God. What does that mean? 
Well, being rich towards God just simply means that I will be richly blessed. Now, this doesn't mean that all of us are going to be millionaires and we're going to have everything we need or want or could ever hope for and everything we see we can buy and all that stuff and I'm going to be a millionaire. No, that's that's not what it it means. But it does mean that I will be blessed in my life. Part of that is financially, but richly blessed is the fullness of life, the abundant life that I talked about earlier. So here we see a couple of cool things that God talks about, though, about the area of being richly blessed as far as finances go. In Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Well, that's good. I like that. that. That's a great part of the Bible in Proverbs. Now, in Malachi 3.10, it says this, and it's very similar, but a little more specific. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, and, there, uh, and that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Uh, what's really cool about that verse, a couple things, he says, put me to the test. That's the only place in the Bible where God says, put me to the test. Put me to the test. And, and if you haven't grown up around church, you don't know much about that. A tithe was, it was an Old Testament principle of giving 10% of you, whatever, 10% of your crops, uh, your income, and basically in current culture, it would be your income, back to the Lord is, is just an offering or an act of worship. And, and Jesus, if you remember several weeks ago, we talked about Jesus changing the Old Testament stuff into not just the letter of the law, but it's a heart thing now. And Jesus said the tithe and offerings. So he talked about tithe, which was the 10% principle, but then he also talked about offerings. So he said, you know, where there's a need, let your heart guide you. And if I'm living generously, then, then I'm going to meet needs that, that, that I see around me. Now, and now, I know many of us maybe that have been in the church or been around church, maybe we have a bad taste in our mouth about, you know, the guy uh, on the stage talking about finances. Um, and it's probably from bad experiences or from TV evangelists because they, they do a lot of crazy stuff out there, I got to admit, right? I mean, I don't want to badmouth them, but they, there is a, a crazy stuff going on. This teaching that we're talking about today, especially this part of it, isn't about money, It's about us listening to the Holy Spirit and understanding it's a heart issue. It's not a monetary issue. I mean, giving to the Lord or, you know, in donations and offerings, and it's a personal thing. I mean, it's it's a spiritual, it's a personal thing that you work out with God in in your own life. But we just want to talk about the principle of finances because I got to tell you, I've applied this principle to my life, and I know I've talked to several people in the last month that understand this principle. When Gene and I first came to know the Lord 20-something years ago, our finances were upside down, and I felt really guilty at first that I, I couldn't give 10%. But what I decided to do is give what I could and then work really hard, and part of that is developing a budget, right? <laughs> Not spending more than I earn, but work really hard at developing that good habit in my life so that eventually I could get to the part to where I could give 10% back to God because I thought it was important for us to do. 
And it was wonderful. The, the minute we did that, I remember writing that first check, and it was 10% of our income. And we were excited. We thanked God about it. And it was just really awesome because it was an act of worship in our lives. And it's something that we really, really wanted to do for a long time. And so we did it. And then you know what? God spoke to my heart again, and he said, guess what? You did a great job, but you tithed off your net, not off your gross. And I'm like, oh, yeah. He goes, you give to the government off your gross, right? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And he's like, well, you know, work a little harder and and give off your gross. And so for me, that's, Gene and I, that's what we wanted to do then. That was the next milestone. That was the next stretch goal. You know, let's give off our gross. So we did. We worked real hard again. We were able to give off our gross. And man, what an awesome time that was once again. It was a spiritual act of worship. And now, you know, years and years later, we, we, we give off our gross and we support missionaries and, and we have a Compassion International child. And I look at that as offerings. And, you know, we try to meet needs in our lives and we see people that have a need or whatever. And uh, it's just, it's a spiritual dynamic. It's a really awesome thing. And so I just, I guess I just challenge each one of us in our lives, if you've struggled in this area of your life with finances, either, oh, the church wants all my money. no. It's not about that. It's about obeying what God has and putting him to the test. It's really crazy that God says, put me to the test. And I know you can talk to not just me, but you can talk to plenty of people here that have put God to the test. And the story is the same over and over and over again. We're not millionaires, but all our bills are paid and I have enough to to give around. I have access that I can give around to people when I see a need. There's a video from, from uh, the secretary down in Bozeman, uh, our mothership campus, and, and she has a little great story. It's only like a minute and a half video, but uh, it, it talks about this principle one more time. Go ahead and roll the video. I, I want to make just a couple final comments before we move on. It's, it, this isn't a guilt thing. Please don't feel guilty. I mean, if you're upside down in your finances and you're struggling in this area, uh, just give what you can and, and pray about it and give it to God. He'll take care of you. He will, just like he did Gene and I, and, and kind of stepped us through this process. I mean, really, it's not a, it's not a guilt thing at all. And, and really, you know, us as a campus here at, at Connect Great Falls Campus, we're doing fairly well. I mean, we're not quite self-sufficient yet, but the numbers are good, and, and we meet budget most of the months, and we do have some money in savings when we don't. So, I mean, things are okay. And in Bozeman, Bozeman's doing fine too. They're meeting their their monthly budget and everything's fine down there. So it's not about just giving Connect more money. It it really comes down to a spiritual principle in your life. And really it comes down to just being obedient to God and and really seeing the blessing that can unfold when you trust him, when you put your security in God and not in stuff. So restarting is what we're talking about, restarting. So if you need to restart your finances, uh, it it starts with changing how you think about your finances, and it comes back to the big idea. When my security and my trust is in God, then I don't worry about my stuff. I don't worry about that. I don't put all of my security in possessions and in money. You'll become less fearful You'll trust more when your security is in God instead of being in your stuff. And you'll end up being generous and then you'll end up being blessed 
And that's what we're talking about. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. I talked with Dennis, the, Dennis Thompson earlier today. Now, everybody has a dollar bill. And so I'm going to step us through this really slowly. This is the dollar bill activity that we're going to do. He's going to hand out a couple Sharpies for each row. And so as you use the Sharpie, send it along. But what I, what I want each of us to do, and I did this before, on the back of the dollar bill, it says, in God we trust. In God we trust. But what I want you to do is, is and, and we can do this. I, I, I did research. We, we can write on money. You just can't destroy money. Okay, so we're not destroying it. We're writing on it. But what I want you to do is cross out the word we and put in your name. Like what I did is I put in God Bob trusts. I added an S on the end. So cross off we, put in your name, and then add an S to trust. So it says that if your name is Bob, in God Bob trusts. That's our activity today. And I want you to take this home. And many times when a business makes their first dollar, they frame it. Now, if you want to frame it as a reminder, you go right ahead and you put it in your bedroom or, or whatever. If you want to put it on your fridge, if you want to put it on your mirror in your bathroom, wherever you want to put it. But this is the lesson we've learned today that it, it, it's not in stuff that I trust or in it, it's my security and stuff. It's in God that I trust and in God is where I find my security. I'm going to ask the, the worship team or the band to take the stage real quick. And so uh, take a few moments. Mark the back of your dollar bill. Put your name there instead of we. And put that somewhere where, where you're going to have the reminder that your security comes from God. It, it doesn't come from stuff. And when you're done with that, if you would just kind of put your things aside, I just want to bring us into a moment of prayer before we move on uh, with our celebration song. So when you're done, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I just thank you so much. First of all, that you are trustworthy, that I can put my full trust in you with every aspect of my life. I know we've been focusing on finances today, God, and that's part of it. But every area of my life, I can put my full trust in you. You are faithful. You are trustworthy to see us through, to give us what we need in our lives and to not leave us out in the cold. You've proven yourself time and time and time again in my life. And I just say thank you. But maybe there's some here among us that you haven't put your trust in God at all. Well, today's an opportunity for you to do that. And we do this several different ways as our heads are bowed and as our eyes are closed. If the Holy Spirit is nudging your heart right now and speaking to you, as I pray this prayer over each one of us, I, I would say pray this prayer with me as I pray. If you need to restart your life, to start or restart this relationship with Jesus. Today's the, a great day for you to do that. So pray this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you for Jesus, for sending him to be the, what we called last week, the propitiation, which is a big word, but it just means the full sacrifice for my sin. I thank you so much, Jesus, 
that you decided you chose to go to Calvary, be on that cross to shed your blood and to die for my sins. I repent of my sin right now. I repent right now and I I, I just give my sin to you. And I pray that you would cleanse me, that you would change me from the inside out, that now I accept your sacrifice as the debt that needed to be paid so that I might receive eternal life and be born again. I just say thank you so much. And I pray now that through your Holy Spirit that I would be able to walk this life out with your help. Guide and shape my future steps, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give a hand clap for those that have said that prayer. I didn't ask you to raise your hands today, and that's fine. We don't have to do it the same way all the time. But if you said that prayer, mark on your connection card that you chose to restart your relationship with Jesus today. It's important. It's important to acknowledge that as well. And we don't, usually we have next steps. We really don't have any next steps today, but I want to leave you with just a couple suggestions. And this is no pressure, no obligation. It's just only a suggestion. If you need to start trusting Jesus with your finances and you didn't come prepared to give anything today, give something. It's as simple as that. Give something. And if you believe in this tithing principle that comes from God's word and it's something that you want to do, incorporate tithing and offerings into your lives, then start doing that. It's as simple as that. It's a restart in our relationship with God. It's a way that we can worship him with our finances. Or maybe God is asking you to be generous to somebody else. Maybe you know of a family member that needs a refrigerator or maybe you know somebody, a neighbor that that needs something. And if maybe you've kind of been battling that, well, you know, they probably have somebody that can help them out. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe it's you that can help them out. If there's an opportunity and you have the resources and you can help somebody, then I think God's saying help somebody. And once again, it's just a suggestion, no pressure. But I really think that if we are listening to God's spirit and we have a generous spirit, it's not like we're going to give everything away all the time, but there are going to be opportunities in our life to where we can meet that need. And I think that would bring honor and glory to God. Let's pray one more time. Father God, I thank you once again for your word and how it speaks richly into our lives. And God, there is no guilt. There is only transformation through your Holy Spirit. Guilt comes from the enemy. So I I pray against guilt in our lives. But I, I do pray that the Holy Spirit would transform us and we would listen to the Holy Spirit and we would act when he tells us to do something in our lives. Be with us, us this week. Thank you so much for the rich blessings that each one of us has. Just to call ourselves a child of God is a blessing in my book. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come back next week. We're going to talk about habits. Everybody loves habits. Some of you have bad habits. Well, probably most of us do, and probably a lot of you have good habits. We're going to talk about good and bad habits next week. Ryan, are you ready for a celebration song? We're ready. All right. Everybody stand to your feet. Let's celebrate.